welcome to the South Mims U podcast, and in this episode we're going to talk about dogs, man and woman's best friend, those eager pooches that seem to love us so much and jump up for joy when you signal that you're taking them for a walk. We love them, they keep us company, and give us endless cute pictures to post on Facebook or Instagram, or if you're a teen, on TikTok. I'm sure you've often wondered what your doggy is thinking as it sits there looking eagerly up at you with its tongue hanging out, watching for any hint of a treat. I know most dog owners have tried to work out their pet's thought processes and most of them would probably think it's pretty simple. Food, walk, play, squirrel. Food, walk, play, cat. Food. Well, our university is renowned for its technical breakthroughs, and we're proud to report yet another. With me is Dr. Fabrice Tongabizi, who will explain a truly mind-boggling advance. Uh, forgive me, my name is not Tongabizi. I spent some time there for the crocodiles. My name is Dr. Fabrice Orr. You can call me uh, Dr. Orr, or just Fabrice. Oh, forgive me. Fabrice. Uh, there's a misplaced hyphen in my notes. Ah, yes, a misplaced hyphen can cause so much confusion. You're in charge of our zoology department here at South Mims, aren't you? Indeed I am. I'm like an eager puppy. Can I tell the listeners what the breakthrough is, or, or would you like to do it? No, you do it. It'll be nice to hear what you say. Well, you have found, and this is utterly amazing, a way to make dogs talk. No, 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 not quite. We can't make them talk. It just means that we have found a way to enable them to communicate with us if they want to. We can't make them. How did this come about? We have long known that animals communicate. Whale music, bird song, dogs barking, of course, and so on. Isn't there an old saying, cats can talk, but they've never heard anything worth replying to? But although animals communicate, we obviously can't understand them. But we also know that animals can understand us. Well, sit, stay, fetch, that kind of thing. Oh, much more than that. I'll tell you when I found out just how much they understand. When I was a child, we would go and visit my grandfather, who was a farmer in the Yorkshire Dales. One evening, he and my Uncle Billy, who worked with him, were talking. Their sheepdog, Spot, was uh, there as well, lying next to the fire. My uh, granddad and Uncle Billy said that it was time to get the sheep down from up on the hills, and that they would do it the next day. The next day, the dog got the sheep down on his own, without being told. He had listened to them talk, and he had understood. That's amazing. And then you have parrots. We all know that they imitate, but do they actually know what they are saying? Now, some studies suggest that they might. An African grey called Alex knew the words for about 50 different things, including shapes, and could count as well. We thought that parrots and dogs are the most intelligent creatures. We ran up against a brick wall when it came to actual communication. Willingness was there, but their actual voice boxes, uh, for want of a better word, were not suitable for human speech. Well, I guess not. Otherwise, they would be speaking. What do you think about the theory that pets take on the personality of their owners? No, there's no evidence of that, I'm afraid. And it has no bearing anyway. We're getting sidetracked. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, carry on, Fabrice. We looked at uh, work that's been done to help patients with brain damage or Parkinson's disease to add uh, electronics to stimulate the brain. There's a lot of work going on in that field. Even to help people who had strokes speak again by identifying brain waves and synthesizing them so that they can speak. What, a bit like Stephen Hawking and his talking computer? A bit, but not quite. No, this is much more radical than that. Edwin Toll came up with a brilliant idea. Oh, Edwin Toll, the enfant terrible of AI, robotics and anything digital. Yes, yes, he's brilliant. If a little um, uh, strange. Well, yes, that's what the therapist reports, indeed. Well, one day he was trying to replicate an experiment carried out by uh, B.F. Skinner, the famous behaviourist. Yes, Pavlov's dogs and all that. No, 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 those dogs belong to Pavlov. Ivan Pavlov. Skinner used uh, rats and pigeons. And he got them to talk? No, he used stimuli to get them to be conditioned to behave in a certain way. Let's not get sidetracked by that. Sorry, sorry. Edwin created a small chip powered by an artificial intelligence program and he implanted it in the brain of his uh, hamster. Gerald. Isn't that cruel? It is. And he has been disciplined. But what he discovered was that he could synthesize the little animal's brain waves as it tried to escape the electrified maze Edwin had built in his bedroom. And when those digital patterns were then put through a pretty ordinary sound mixing desk, they came out as, uh, well, uh, words. That is amazing. We have a recording. Do you want to hear it? Yes, uh, with apologies to Gerald. I mean, is Gerald all right? Yes, yes, the RSPCA rescued him and found him a new home. With me and my kids, actually. He tells me he's incredibly grateful. OK, well, we'll play the tape now. And uh, it does sound a little strange because it is a technology in its infancy. So here it is. So you think this is funny, you spotty bastard? I'm going to get out there and eat through your modem cable so you can't watch that porn anymore, you f He was understandably uh, angry. Of course. But what a breakthrough. I mean, a hamster that speaks. Well, a hamster isn't speaking as such. The technology turns brainwaves into uh, approximate speech. Well, it sounded pretty definite to me. Now, despite the cruelty to Gerald, we thought we could, uh, in a humane way, Take Edwin's technology and apply it to dogs. We adapted the technique and attached a simple, non-invasive device to the animal's collar, uh, close to the neck, and then combined it with a special serum. Wow, that's amazing. And actually, it's, I mean, it's actually quite hard to take on board. It's a bit like something out of a film. And in fact, I think in that Pixar film, Up, there is a sequence where dogs have some sort of device that allows them to speak, but I think that's on another planet. I mean, we're talking about the here and now. So it must be, Fabrice, amazing to be able to talk to your dogs. Actually talk to them and they respond. Uh, sort of. It's, uh, it's a double-edged sword. Oh dear. Why? Well, I have two dogs, Sheba, a chihuahua. Here's a picture. Oh, very cute. I, I like the pink bow around her head. That was her choice. And, um, oh, is that a Make America Great Again collar? That's a bit unusual, isn't it? No, I'll explain. And uh, this is uh, Lawrence. Oh, a fine German shepherd. Strange name, though, Lawrence. Well, he was called Rex 
but he insisted we change it to uh, Lawrence. When we gave him the serum combined with the monitor, the first thing he told us was, well, <laughs> listen for yourself. Please, I beg you, change my name from a cliché to something elegant. I've always liked that movie by David Lean, Lawrence of Arabia. Peter O'Toole is the kind of man I'd like to have been, if I had been a man. So handsome and intelligent. I want the name Lawrence. If you do not call me by that name, I will never fetch again, you first time. So you changed his name? We did. And and is Lawrence with you at the moment? Uh, no, no, he's gone water skiing. Your dog has gone water skiing. I, ju I just let him go. He'll be back soon, I'm sure. But meanwhile, I borrowed my brother's dog. Uh, he's a journalist on a gossip column. He's always looking for a dog sitter. The dog is? No, no, no. My brother is the journalist. His dog is a cockapoo called Oscar. Uh, he's right here. I'll just put some serum on a doggy bix. There we are. And hopefully he'll speak. There is a side effect of the serum. It acts a little, um, well, it acts a little like LSD, doggy LSD, after about five minutes. But it helps him speak in the short term. Oh, so we need to talk to him before he gets high, right? Uh, yes, it takes a while to kick in. He won't be flying until the interview is over, I hope. Okay, he's swallowed the biscuit. Won't be long now. In the meantime, do you remember that talking dog on TV? The dog that said sausages, or it sounded like that. It was just barking or something, but it sounded like uh, sausages. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. Sausages. Well, this is nothing like that. Well, how is he going to speak? I mean, can he hold the phone or, or come up to the computer? The phone's on speaker. Uh, now, here he comes now. So the next voice you hear will be his. OK, listeners, I'm now interviewing Oscar the Cockapoo. Sausages. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no, you said... Uh... Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> you should have seen his face. This is Oscar the Cockapoo, by the way, still, listeners. Pedigree Cockapoo. Oh, forgive me. I thought cockapoos were crossbreeds. Oh, please, let's not get into genetics. That can only lead one way. Which way is that? Fascism, sir, fascism. We are, in fact, the Shih Tzus of the 21st century. Well, who said that? No, I did, and don't ever talk to me about Labradoodles. OK, I promise not to. So, this is a groundbreaking moment, a live interview with a dog. But um, you don't seem too excited about being able to talk to us. Excited? No. I mean, in truth, us dogs have been doing it for hundreds of years. We've been shouting at you. It's just that now you can understand us. You should be excited. Well, I am. I mean, I don't know what to ask. I don't know really where to start. Knowing what you know, what is the biggest difference between us, the two species, human and dog? That is easy. The nose. We live for the nose. Your noses are, uh, I can't think of a word for it, crap, hopeless, a joke. You can't begin to appreciate the power of our noses. Take old Fabrice here. With just one sniff, I can tell what he had for breakfast, when he last at a bath, where he's been, and who he's been with. And that data in just one sniff. Wow. Almost makes up for the black and white. Sorry? We see in black and white. It's like living in front of an old telly. Well, how do you know about old tellies? Well, we know everything about you. Your old tellies, your curtains, your sofas that we're not allowed on. Everything. 
we just haven't been able to tell you that we do until now. Okay, well, there is another thing I have to ask you, and I will kick myself if I don't. Do you mind if I ask, what's with the bum sniffing? As in? Well, when you meet other dogs, you sniff each other's behinds. What's that about? That is such a tired question. Surely you can do better than that. Oh, sorry, but, uh... Humans are so trivial. Always looking for the bum joke. Let's just say, for us canines... It's a bit like shaking hands and sharing life stories and merging databases and seeing old photo albums and understanding moods, views, ideas, all the kind of sniffs. Immensely powerful collections were made that way. So actually, it's nothing like shaking hands. Well, couldn't you just rub noses or something? Can we change the subject? Sorry. Look, for a start, no. Our noses are delicate instruments. That would be like rubbing two Stradivarius violins together. Next question. Okay, uh, what about tails? Tails? Aren't you going to ask me about something important? Like, I don't know, philosophy. Okay, okay. Um, is there a philosophical reason you wag your tails so much? Look, we show pleasure, we show alertness, we show displeasure via our tails. So, in a way, we signal our view of the world via our tails. Which makes it, I suppose, a philosophical muscle. Oh, good point, actually. Going back to the nose, you've got Fabrice sitting next to you still, I hope. Yeah, he's still there. So, do the sniff. I mean, where has he been in the last couple of hours? It's like talking to Sherlock Holmes, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I know the office where he works, so uh, you can tell me what you know about it just from your nose. OK. Oh! Oh, it's not the office at all. It seems the uh, happily married Fabrice has spent three hours today in the zoo's monkey house with uh, someone who wears a lot of tweed and chiffon and frames a certain very expensive French perfume. Uh, passion crush, I think it's called. Uh, purchased in a boot chemist in Western Supermare. And then, I think, a swift visit to a bed and breakfast by the pier. Sorry about that. He uh, just fell off the chair. I wonder if the side effects are kicking in. Uh, here he is again. Try asking him something else. OK, Oscar, um, dogs seem to be obsessed with food. Is there anything you won't eat? You're a fine one to talk. I won't go near Sago Pudding. Our noses find sensations that you can only dream of. Again, just using the nose, I can tell you that today for lunch at that actually rather expensive B&B, Fabrice here had a cold meat platter, pheasant under glass with dauphin potatoes and asparagus, followed by creme brulee and a half bottle of Mutan Rothschild. And then, no! Sorry, he fell off again. Dogs might have sophisticated taste, but they don't know when to be discreet. His sense of... Uh, Smell seems to have let him down today. Probably effects of the serum. Now, here he is, back again. Better wrap things up now, just in case. Has this been good? Still here. I know I need to hurry up, but there's one other thing. What about bones, Oscar? Love them. They speak to something deep within us. I don't think you lot have an equivalent. I, I do dream of them. Good dreams? Always good. You know that song of yours, The Lost Chord? The chord that is the most beautiful sound the organist ever heard? Yes, that's a famous song. Well, we have the concept of the lost bone, the perfect bone. Maybe we get to see once and never again. We all dream of it. So why do you bury them? Well, why do you lot put money into banks? Well, to keep it safe and to earn interest. There's your answer. A three-month-old bone does things to our noses you can only guess at. OK, the last question, I suppose, should be... 
What's it like being a dog, man's best friend? Oh, well, we see it the other way around, you see. We think of you as our, uh, well, if you're a dog, unless you're unlucky, you get given a roof over your head, a fire to lie in front of, a nice basket to sleep in, several square meals a day, and as much exercise as you want, and a nose that can do things that you humans can only dream of. It's amazing. I wouldn't change places with you in a thousand years. Goodness. Well, that told me. Very interesting. So, Fabrice, uh, before we end the interview, I just want to ask you about that uh, chihuahua of yours. Ah, uh, Sheba. Yes. Why was she wearing Trump campaign paraphernalia? I'll, uh, I'll let her explain it. She was interviewed this morning on Fox News in America, and I have a recording of it. Oh, Fox News? So this whole thing isn't my scoop at all? Uh, sorry, they, they, they paid more. Here's Sheba. very strange and disturbing. Dogs are like humans. They have a diversity of uh, views. Well, I suppose that's absolutely true. Well, thank you, Fabrice Orr. And thank you, Oscar, if he can still hear me. Dear listener, would you really want your dog to talk to you? Or would you prefer he or she stuck to the odd bark and tail wag? Interesting dilemma. Perhaps what we love about dogs is the fact that they don't judge us. Or at least, if they do... We don't know about it. Thank you for your attention, and as ever, please review, share, and check out the other podcasts on offer from our humble university. Goodbye. <laughs>